Hello and welcome to Where's the Exit, the podcast for tech entrepreneurs who are trying to leverage their IP to maximise their exit valuation. I'm your host, Steve Blake, and today I'm joined by Matt Salmon. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you, Steve. Um, And today we're going to talk about trademarks, something you've got a massive amount of expertise in, and I have very little expertise in, so it's a good match and allows me to, as I was just saying to you a minute ago before we came on air, allows me to ask lots of questions. But I thought we'd start, first of all, if it's okay with you, with a bit of context and really sort of for the people out there that are listening to it and, you know, startups, tech entrepreneurs, maybe don't have a great background in trademarks and different IP rights. What is a trademark? Um, You know, how do companies get them? How do companies use them? These types of things, just to set the scene and so that we all understand what what it is we're talking about. Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, thanks for inviting me on, firstly. Um, So trademarks in its very simple essence it's what tells the consumer um, the origin of the product so whether that's a product a service or whether you're advertising your business to investors it's what identifies you as being you Um, Mm -hmm. and it also is a method of capturing that goodwill and reputation in business uh, and ensuring that the value accrues to you so with, with a lot of companies, it can be very, very simple, you know, simply their business name. Uh, yeah. They may have slightly broader rights in things like if they have a variety of different products um, or ways of advertising their products, there might be things that they can protect there. Um, yeah. And securing the registration, um, you know, the, the, there's two main benefits that we look at. And the first is the one that actually a lot of people overlook. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to my mind, it's the most important. And in many respects, it's taken for granted. And that is simply your ability to trade. Um, A lot of people think of trademarks as things you can use to stop other people. And whilst that's absolutely true, the most important when you're running your business is to be able to trade. You know, you've got a lot of people putting time and effort into building this business, building this reputation. Yeah, You don't want someone to come along and say, hang on, you can't do that because we've actually yeah. already got rights in that. So the, the single most important thing about a trademark is it just allows you to go on, build your business without um, incurring significant costs in having to rebrand or, or or the interruption and harm to reputation that goes with them. Yeah, and I guess it's sort of, you know, as you said, I mean, that's something that we, we went through when we started our business and sort of, you know, really what we were trying to do when we were coming up with the name for the business and then we registered the trademark was to make sure that we actually could use that name. Because as you say, you start to build up a reputation, you build up the, the brand as it, as it is. And then if you put in all that effort and you manage to get some value in it, and for some things, it might be sort of also financial resource, I guess, especially with tech businesses, they start sort of gearing up. You might get packaging yeah. you know, developed and printed and, and whatever else happens with it. Maybe you've even got the tooling for your product and it's got the the brand name somewhere in that and to have all of that done and then to be told actually you can't do that would be a nightmare yeah yeah we've we've certainly seen it and and you're absolutely right you know a lot of products do have the trademark stamped into them or you know on a bottle design it might be molded in um and and that's something that's very important with an organization and and how they approach their trademarks to get right it's when to ask can we use this? Have we secured protection? Because you want to do it as early as possible because, mm-hmm. you know, it's distinctly possible someone else has got rights and you use it. Or if there are risks, you identify what they are and 
decide whether yeah. that's an acceptable level. Of, and you want to do this before you've spent any money developing that brand, because if, if it's fraught with problems, then, um, you know, it should be at that initial stage. Uh, yeah, you know, I've, often I'll, I'll try and say to clients, because one difficulty we have, obviously often it's marketing teams or the owners of a business that are coming up with brands. And, and often by the time it gets to us, they, they've fallen in love with it. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. Great, because it's a brand they love. um, You know, it's obviously that's great when you find a brand that you love and everyone wants to get behind. But often I'll say, come up with three, and we'll look at three. (laughs) So you've got options, and 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 basically to try and stop them, you know, absolutely falling in love with one in case there are issues with it. Because it's remarkably hard to come back from an emotional tie to something like a brand uh, once you sort of once you like you say once people have fallen in love with it and they kind of they feel yeah that's great and everyone's behind it and there's a lot of sort of emotional momentum I guess um, then actually coming back from that is really really tough isn't it yeah and and often it leads to them taking risks that yeah they wouldn't ordinarily take because yeah. you know they don't want to face the alternative which is their second favorite brand that you yeah know, we quite like <laughs> but we don't absolutely love and you know they, they might take risks that they wouldn't ordinarily and sometimes they get away with them sometimes they don't yeah yeah um, and I guess I mean we've kind of segued into what might have been sort of like the start of the the process because I think we, we spoke sort of off air about how we might sort of go through this this conversation and and actually mirror the the life cycle of a of a tech startup and I guess the life cycle of a tech startup starts before the tech startup starts if they're trying to think of a brand name for the business and I mean you know that's the way most businesses do think you kind of you think about the name and then you kind of think let's call ourselves that and then trademarks can be a secondary sort of consideration if indeed it's considered at all at that stage but I guess what you're saying is that you need to start that process early. And if you're engaging with a branding consultant, then get a few options given to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you, you need to think a little bit about what you want to get from, because especially when you're talking with brand consultants, because a lot of brand development, you, you tend to get a head start if your brand says something about your product. And this yeah. is especially so with tech companies. If it's solving a problem, we want the brand to say it's solving this particular problem or it's appealing yeah. to this particular market. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is great for, you know, there's there's less need to educate the public on the brand. Um, yeah. That can save you a lot of money, time, effort and marketing spend. But it can also make it harder to protect the mark in the first place. If yeah. a trademark, if, if it describes your product, then you can't protect it. Yeah. That's not necessarily a bad thing if that's your strategy. Um, if that's more important to you than perhaps the value in a brand, then that's okay. But you need to be aware that, okay, you you might be able to use this name for your product that's quite descriptive, but you can't mm. stop other people from using it, okay. Uh, okay. which can affect your position in the market, obviously. And in terms of valuation, if it's a brand that anyone else can use, it's going to hold less value than a brand course, that's very yeah. distinctive and you know associated with your product. So you know that that's quite an early consideration because it's, it's quite hard to go back if you launched yeah. a brand that's descriptive. Um, you know it comes with its issues in terms of protection, but also in terms of defending it, you're going to have to spend more money um, because it's more likely to have um, competitors producing something very similar. Um, so you yeah. might have more more spend on enforcement. Yeah, okay. So let's maybe, maybe can we sort of summarise that sort of pre-startup phase? If, if I mean, I've just 
made that phrase up but if we're going to call it that um and it's sort of uh so so if somebody's thinking about uh just before they've started their business what are they going to call it then what's the sort of thought process first thing is that to get you 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 or a trademark attorney involved early early on and when you're selecting the name do that in consultation with with someone like yourself would that would that make sense yeah absolutely um so the, the the key things we're looking at in that early stage is actually what is the plan for this? Um, okay. Because, you know, the trademark should always support the business in where it wants to get to, um, yeah. you know, uh, so it's fit for purpose. So we'll be looking at, you know, what's the company name? How are you going to use this company name? I.e. is that, you know, if, you, if you're a service company, that might be, you know the lead sort of trademark yeah. but are you going to have different product names yeah uh we look at how you're going to operate so what products are going with which brand what services are going with which brand we'll look at the countries that you're most likely to be trading in uh yeah. now at this uh pre-startup stage it might be something very simple we've got a company yeah. name we're developing products that's all we've got at the moment so yeah that case you know it's nice and simple um mm-hmm. uh, you know and inexpensive because we might just be looking at okay we'll just search to check that name's available for use in the uk yeah. we'll look at a uk registration you're spending a few hundred pounds and then sure. set to move on and as the business develops we'll look at how that trademark strategy might develop and whether this brand needs expanding or we're using other brands from product. Okay. So in that pre-startup phase, then we've kind of got, you're looking to try and name the business and you want to get, uh, talk to yourselves uh, early on so that you can kind of, first of all, make sure that the name that you've probably already fallen in love with, um, you can actually use um, and to make sure that you're not sort of storing up trouble for yourself further down the track. And then as much information as you might or might not have might allow you to sort of sketch out something that looks like a, a high level probably at that stage but a high level strategy for your trademark filing yeah. program yeah 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 okay. yeah in particular how you know we, we certainly there's, there's one tech business i've worked with where you know their company name is is not a product name it's not a trading name as such yeah. really and you know it's it, there's relatively low value in in registry yeah um, because the public don't really see it okay they have trademarks for their products so they brand their technology um they have what's essentially the same product but it has different applications so they have different brands for different markets so that's a what i would say is a relatively advanced branding strategy for a tech business with this what is essentially one product um and they've got three or four trademarks covering that product yeah but what worked really well is they had a very clear idea of how they were going to do it at the start. Okay. So we could take okay. a look at the whole thing and think, oh, okay, this is what we need to be protecting. This is what, you know, is of much less value. So yes, obviously we can protect it, but, um, yeah. you know, it may not be where you want to be spending your budget. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fair enough. And, and, but that might, I guess that might not always be the case for all businesses, in which case, as you said earlier, you might just be looking at a UK filing at that stage while the the rest of your sort of strategy develops and and things become more yeah I, i'd say do. your version's the norm it's quite <laughs> quite Probably unusual typical. to have the yeah. tech yeah. company that advanced in their thinking about branding that early on okay. um, you know that's a nice surprise for us sometimes yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, okay. So so if, you, if we're looking at, at that, then probably the typical, as you say, the typical sort of thing is, um, you know, to get you guys on board during the branding process so that we can, you can have feedback into the process of actually naming uh, the business to the extent that it makes sense. You don't want the, the tail to wag the dog, but at the same time, it's important to get the right advice while you're yeah, it so you it's know about- what you can and can't do. It's about getting a good understanding of what the parameters yeah. are. So, yeah, sure. you know, we, we can get something that's protectable. Um, you know, the mm-hmm. more descriptive it is, the less protection you've got, but also the more likelihood that someone else has got it, yeah, to be honest, course, yeah. you know, because, yeah. um, uh, you know, so it's getting a, you know, and, and people can have a chat with us. It doesn't cost anything just to give that overall yeah. view of what you could be looking for in a brand and, okay. you know, what's good for your particular business. And just mentioning costs. So at that stage, then costs are fairly low in terms of trademarks because you're only looking to register your trademark in the UK at that stage. There's yeah. So that you... that pre-tech startup, you you know, you might spend a couple of hundred pounds searching yeah. the trademark to check it's clear yeah. for use, and then a few okay. hundred to register it. And the registration is good for ten years. And and for a lot of businesses, that's enough for the next yeah. three to five years. That's all they need yeah. to do. Yeah. And that's definitely, I mean, when you when you look at the, when you balance the risks against that cost profile, then it definitely makes sense to do it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, really, you're buy, just buying the security that you're going to be able to trade um, yeah. uninterrupted. You know, it's it's a small upfront cost. And then, you know, that that is effectively working through the next three to five years while you're building the business. Yeah, okay. Um, and there's one thing that sort of came up with what you were saying there, which is, you know, when you were talking about customers being able to see a brand and the business name, if it, depending on the type of business, if you're kind of a B2B or a B2C business, does that affect whether or not you might actually, would you always register the company name or is um, I'm, it's relatively rare not yeah. um, because you know, it's there's not many businesses where the company name is completely and utterly removed from what the public see. I mean, yeah. it does happen, yeah, especially if it's a holding company or something like that. Um, so normally, it, it's good practice to register the company, yeah, because um, yeah. it, it, it's a potential target for competitors if um, you know that they want to go on the attack, they want to make trouble. Um, you know, they can always look at protective, look to create difficulties, and mentioning sort of um risks of not registering is there any what what type of risks occur from sort of people out there that just want to cause trouble or maybe uh, i mean i've i've had recently with a client issues with um china in that they were sort of somebody over there registered their trademark in china and then they had to kind of they wrote them a letter they obviously got one of their mates or something like that to write them a letter who was uh, a legal advisor over there and sort of telling them that they could do certain things to make sure that they could use the the, the right or oppose it or whatever yeah the things like that happen a lot um so the majority of cases where we run into problems with third parties are, are yeah. accidental they're, okay they're not deliberate attempts to yeah. um take over the domain but it but it does actually happen um yeah. and, and you know we've actually had a few cases recently um they're not that prevalent but um you know quite often it's when a brand has success in one country um someone will register it here you know they may want to be the distributor for it in this country so they do that to give themselves a leg up and 
you know, to, okay, yeah. to have the, the genuine brand holder over a barrel um, yeah. and they'll offer to sell it back or um, give it back if they get a contract to distribute. Uh, yeah. So it does happen. And, and it's, it's quite hard to fight against it because trademark rights are completely territorial. So, um, yeah. you know, having rights in the UK doesn't give you any rights in China. Yeah. And the best way to protect against it is to file in as many countries as possible. But of course, that as yeah, the cost ramps up the cost yeah. and different countries have different systems so some countries there's what's called a first file system like china where yeah. whoever files it gets the rights other countries like the us it's first to you so whoever okay. uses it first gets the rights okay. um in the first to use countries you have a bit more protection if you haven't because someone randomly filing a trademark is not going to meet the use requirements to ultimately get their registration okay uh, all right you can do about all right. So if we've got, because we've strayed into sort of like uh, different countries there, and I guess for um, a startup just done there, let's t- carrying on through the life cycle, just done the, the naming. So they just named the business. Uh, they came up with their three options. They did everything right. They kind of looked at the ones that were available for them to use, picked one that they liked, and it's free to use. So they've registered it in the UK. So they've got a UK registration assuming everything goes smoothly, which if they've done the right sort of searches and things, it ought to. Next thing for them, I guess, is that, and, you know, I see this quite a bit, is that then you get um, a letter from a trademark attorney saying six months time, whatever, now we've got this deadline to file in another country. So what's the, what should they do at that stage? And what makes sense? Because I think earlier you said that they could do nothing for sort of a few years. And how much are deadlines a big issue in trademark? I mean, Um, patents, they're very big, but... Yeah, so there's a few things to consider. Um, So when we're looking at an initial filing in the UK, you know, certainly at that point, we'll be asking what the the international plans are. Because if the international plans are, we want to be in these countries within 12 months, we'll consider that all at the outset. And we'll do the searches in those countries at the same time as the UK, because we don't want a brand that we can have in one or two countries, but in two or three others that are very important. With a lot of tech startups, they ultimately know what countries they're going to target. But it might be quite a few years down the line, in which case, there's, there's a question over actually, is it good sense to spend a load of money getting protection in these countries when it's yeah. still three to five years away. And it may be that rebranding is not a significant problem, uh, yeah. you know, in a year's time. So once we file in the UK, you've got a six-month window in which to file in other countries and backdate the application to the same filing date. as yeah. the, But that's not the be-all and end-all. If you don't oh, file okay. within that six months, you can still file in those other countries, but you just get the rights from the day that we file it. Okay. So, you know, it's it's about doing what's right for the business in terms of when you need the protection and when you've got the budget to get it. Um, you know, it's, it's it's not a good thing to be too hooked up on that. Um, yeah. Yes. If, if if your move into those countries is fairly imminent, then great, we can use that six month date. Um, it's not the be all. And you know, identifying the countries is rare. You can do it within six months. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's that's it's kind good. of the problem. And also that's when the costs really can sort of start to, to ramp up if you go into a 
you know, a handful, maybe half a dozen different countries, then you could be talking quite a lot more than a few hundred quid. Yeah. I, I mean, I tend to tell clients as a rule of thumb, and it does vary countries, but you, you should be budgeting, you know, a thousand pounds plus per country. Yeah. Uh, the one exception is the EU where you can get an EU wide registration for about okay. 1500 pounds. Great value for 27 countries. Yeah. But, you know, if you're in, you know, like say, you're looking at 10 countries, suddenly that's, that's quite a significant undertaking. So you yeah, don't want yeah, to definitely. be spending this money in countries where ultimately you're not going to get a market. So, you know, it's about chatting about, you know, where are you going to be focusing? What are the biggest markets for your particular product? Um, you know, do you have people on the ground? Um, is it an emerging market? Um, yeah. You know, because a, a fairly typical strategy is protecting the UK, then EU. US, yeah. uh, maybe China, um, yeah. you know, and suddenly actually you've got, you know, several hundred million potential consumers covered course, with a yeah. relatively small number yeah. of filing. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing. I mean, that's that's pretty much the the country profile for a tech startup with patents as well. They're, yeah. they're, the, ma- they're the major market. If you can protect the major markets, then you kind of you you protect um by proxy the other markets as well because it's not worth somebody gearing up to to copy you in the smaller markets if the big ones are already taken and i guess the same principle kind of follows the trademarks a bit as well yeah it does to a degree that the the one significant difference is that you don't have to use the same trademark in the same countries yeah so you know, okay, and yeah. culturally, that might not work. Yeah. So, for example, you look at Japan as a market. Um, you know, Western brand, high-end Western brands are obviously very, very popular. And, yeah. and certainly they'll look to protect. Other products, perhaps, you know, let's look at software or something like that. The, you know, software trademarks tend to be reasonably descriptive of, of the yeah. product itself. And that just might not work in Japan that brand yeah. so you might want to select an entirely different brand for the japanese market yeah you know which is great because it doesn't cost any more to register your different brand. you're, you're picking yeah, sure. the right brand for the right market um so you've always got options like that yeah yeah it hadn't occurred to me actually and i guess from a patent point of view we're always an invention is an invention and you kind of got to use the same one <laughs> wherever yeah, you exactly, go. Yeah. but you so it's much more sort of about how you're doing business with trademarks isn't it and i guess there's nothing to stop you calling it whatever you like and as I, I guess provided that there's not some kind of um bleed through into that country of the brand reputation that you've already built in another yeah. country i guess and and in that case I, I suppose there's a stronger pull towards wanting to use the same name yeah and i mean there are other considerations uh, you know such as as the manufacturing process and the, the nature of the product so yeah. before we were mentioning the brand being you know embossed on the product yeah now obviously if you've got a different brand for different countries that gets a bit more complicated you need, yeah, might sure. need more tooling and things like that so that could be yeah. a very significant investment but if we take something like software as a service it's not necessarily always that complicated to have different brands in different countries. Much easier yeah. to control and, and change that. So, so those yeah, are all okay. considerations worth looking at. Yeah. And just if I could just pull us back onto that sort of six month date, because I know that that's something that um, speaking to clients in the past, they've sort of felt a bit of pressure to do something at that stage without them really understanding, firstly, whether it's a good idea uh, or second, what are the risks if they don't do it? Now, I guess there must be some some risks that come with it. But if if it's sort of I mean, if you think about um, so if we, we take a, a you know, the costings are kind of 
might push into 10,000 plus, let's say. Um, and that's a lot for a startup six months in. It's yeah. got to be a pretty hefty risk for them to want to part with that amount of cash, I would suggest. So what is the risk? And and I mean, it might be difficult for you to generalize, and I totally get that. But uh, if you can yeah. give some insight. Yeah, well, the risk is someone else getting there first. Filing um, there. Filing. filing yeah. Someone else filing a similar application there that's going to prevent you from getting your own registry. Okay. So, you know, a typical tactic we'll have, we'll file in the UK. Within six months, we'll cover China, EU, and US. And yeah. it might be two years down the line, right, okay, Australia and New Zealand have become a big market. We need to file there. Okay. Uh, now, if something has been filed in that interim period of two years, yeah. then we've got a problem. Uh, and you might not be able to use your brand there. And that problem would have been avoided if you'd have filed it at the outset. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I would say it is relatively rare that that becomes... Okay. Because, because you've secured the main markets, they're the main markets other people want too. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the competitor uh, looking to adopt a brand for a similar product, they do a search, they see you've already got UK, EU, US. They pick another brand. Think, well, okay, we can't have UK, US, <laughs> so yeah, let's go with something else. Because yeah, most people enough. don't want to infringe your rights. They don't want to be seen to be like you because they've got their yeah. own business and their own exciting plans and yeah. they want a, a unique identifier. So, yeah. you know, whilst there is that element of risk, um, you know, there's hundreds of countries and you've got to be yeah. fairly pragmatic about it. there's no point spending all your money on trademark protection and not having enough money left to run the business, the business and exactly. sell the product yeah. so yeah you know it's uh you know with the business you know with so with companies that are perhaps you know beyond that startup phase they're you know five to ten years old they've got protection in quite a few countries they've got a good viable product that they're selling yeah. what we'll often do with them is sit down you know once a year or every six months and we'll look yeah. at their sales markets okay and what we do you know we weren't necessarily so I, the client i'm thinking of is there is a software client um so with software that's something it's easy to reach a lot of countries yeah. pretty much instantly yeah so you're going to get customers in lots of different countries where you don't have protection that, that's yeah perfectly normal nothing to be too terrified about and what we'll look at we'll look at the number of users in each country uh, okay. and, and the value of that and effectively we draw a line we say okay, okay these are countries we now need to protect products really gaining momentum so there's and a we tipping were, point at which yeah, it sort of becomes yeah, which yeah, you know can vary company to company you know depending yeah. on what their cash flow is like and and you know we'll also look at those markets so okay it might it, it might be slightly below the line but if it's a massive potential market with a huge population then we'll think yeah that's worth bumping above the line and we'll okay, tell yeah yeah uh, whereas perhaps a you know small market with one or two businesses that have, have taken on this product um i think no that that needs to wait a while. um yeah. so you know it, it's constantly pragmatic decision because the one yeah. difference you have with patents in particular is that you can always file your trademark. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it, it's at no point, you know, you might have been in business 20 years and you want to go into a new market. Fine, we can file the trademark. Yeah. There may be obstacles, but those obstacles, you know, we talk about someone filing earlier and that being a problem. Um, just because they filed earlier doesn't mean it's necessarily a fatal yeah. because we can talk to them. We yes. can say, well, actually, you're doing something slightly different. Let's come to a coexistence agreement whereby we'll stay out of what you're doing, 
you stay out of what we're doing and we'll coexist because we're, yeah. we're both happy in our separate you know especially with something like software one might be an accountancy software product another yeah. might be a games product and and yeah. customers are not going to be confused so we yeah. can you know set some boundaries and and happily coexist and you know save a lot of money for both parties yeah um okay um so let's keeeping with our sort of life cycle and i think we talked a bit of, a bit of what we talked about there the sort of around good management good trademark management is sort of into the later more mature business and i'd like to come back to that um in a bit but if we've got our business uh, hypothetical business that's kind of done everything right in the in the naming uh, they've protected their their company uh, brand with a uk trademark then they've got to this six month stage and they're sort of taking some pragmatic decisions and i know generalization is difficult uh, and the longer you get down the track, the harder it is to generalize because the options sort of uh, get wider yeah. and wider as as you do. But um, but then, I mean, for for many businesses, is that sort of really the the last you'll see of them until they get to sort of a, a more mature state and a state where they're sort of developing products and they're they're a bit further down the line, or or is it more typical that you'll stay in touch with them fairly um, regularly? So we always tend to stay in touch. But mm-hmm. quite often, nothing, you know, it's, it's not unusual for nothing to need doing. For years. Yeah, yeah. Because um, with, with your trademarks, they're renewable every 10 years. Um, yeah. and, and obviously, a lot of tech businesses are used to reviewing their patents every year because they've got a renewal mm-hmm. every year. You know, with trademarks, it's much easier to protect them and, and forget about them, yeah. um, you know, which is quite nice for some people yeah. because it's done, <laughs> it's ticked off, and we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. What, what we do is it's always worth, you know, and sometimes this is only a 10 minute chat on the phone. Yeah. It's just making sure that the direction the business is going in is still protected by those. Yeah. Because quite often we do find that, you know, that there's new applications for this technology or new markets have opened up for a particular product. Um, and, the, you know, you might start straying beyond what the trademark initially covered because any trademark application we have to cover specific goods and services you know we'll we'll attempt to keep that as broad as possible so you know it anticipates what you might do but you know things change and and, you know there's a new application a lot of businesses might forget you know they've oh they've registered this brand we can go off and do that and that might not necessarily be the case because it's going into a a different product category yeah sure um so you know might only be every year quick 10 minute conversation okay you know is it the same product what new markets uh, any new applications that sort of thing just so we can check and, and quite often nothing will need doing is great proves yeah. we went broad enough at the outset but it's something to keep an eye on yeah and, and i guess sort of you know from even from my own experience of, of starting a business things change fairly rapidly and, and it's when you start to get feedback from the market let's say or you start to sort of try things out that you think actually that was a dead end let's back up and go down here instead and actually it's quite sort of malleable in those stages so there must be a fair amount of scope for trademarks that have been registered to no longer be relevant and for new ones to become relevant yeah yeah you know it's it's Quite often, you know, we talked earlier about other people filing marks that might become a problem. Quite often, some of them will never even be used because yeah, yeah. a lot of businesses will come up with an idea, file their trademark, 
the idea doesn't pan out so the trademark's never been used but it sits there on the yeah. register and it's right and that's the sort of thing we look at if we need to overcome them yeah um you know and it's the same with your, your own business you know we, we certainly weed these things out at renewals there's no point spending money if you haven't used the brand sure but yeah. then again there's also options to repurpose it yeah um yeah. you know which which can save a bit of cost yeah okay so when you're in when we're in that that stage for our, our, our hypothetical tech business then it's more a watching brief of keeping an eye on on things over the course of the next few years and as part of that i guess you as you're talking to them you'll start to see when things are changing for the business when perhaps products are being beginning to get sold you know manufactured they're going into different markets and things like that and i guess if you're always part of the conversation then you always see those things early yeah yeah and and with a lot of clients we'll recommend uh a watching strategy so you know once you've got your registrate it's very cheap and effective to watch what other trademark applications are being filed so right. you know for sort of 150 quid a year you can see anyone filing a similar trademark to your own anywhere in okay. the world right okay and then that allows us to take action if they do so okay. um which is a very cost effective way of dealing with it because if someone files an application that's going to be a problem for us we write to them tell them to withdraw and we're catching them before they've invested in it. Because if we yeah, notice okay. two, three years down the line, they're, they're in love with their own brands. Yeah. They've got products yeah. on the market and they're causing us a problem. And, you know, they're going to yeah. fight it because yeah. it's now More expensive and to... difficult for them to yeah. change. But if we yeah. catch them at that early stage, uh, then we can do it. So there's a certain watching brief, you know, keeping your brand distinctive. You know, you're not filing new brands. You're not developing new products at this point with what you've got. Um, yeah. So we just work to keep it distinct. And that also, yeah. you know, it, it, it informs us in the markets where you're not currently. Um, if we do see things being filed, it might be that, you know, for example, it might be a, a mark we don't like that's being filed in the UK, EU, Brazil and Russia, for example. Yeah. And we don't have Brazil and Russia, but we do have UK and EU. So yeah. we've got significant leverage to try and either secure our rights to file in Brazil and Russia in the future or stop them in the UK and EU, um, in which case they'll probably drop it in Brazil and Russia and it, that keeps it free for us. We need yeah, it. sure. Okay. I think maybe I used bad terminology from a trademark perspective in terms of using the word watching, because I, I guess I, I think I was referring to watching the business and watching the business as it develops. But obviously in trademarks, watch is quite, yeah. a, big part of, quite a big part of what you do. So there's maybe just to clarify for, uh, for, the, for the listener, there's, there's sort of watching, uh, as you've just described it, watching trademarks that are filed that are similar to your own. And that's really quite an important part of managing trademarks that you've filed isn't it yeah sorry no worries i've just had my my kids have just opened the front door and (laughs) slammed it i knew they were coming back from school but you know what can you yeah (laughs) yeah no i'd say you know watching what's going on within the business yeah is probably the single most important thing to do and that's something that can often get dropped because yeah. you know you're going in that interim period whether you're developing the markets you're already protected in uh, yeah. and you're, you're working with the products that you know still the original product perhaps yeah um that you know that there's not necessarily a pressing need to to let us know what's going on in the business and it's sure. those incremental changes you know, each one of them on their own is not necessarily a, an issue. But when they yeah. build up over time, then, yeah, you can find yourself yeah. doing something that's not protected. 
yeah okay. you know, from what we originally envisaged so right. you know that that feedback whenever we we develop any trademark strategy you know there's a whole process from adopting trademarks protecting the, the trademark watching what you say yeah. and then the final point is always review yeah. and i would say every you know every six months as a minimum look do we need to repeat this process yeah. on anything um you know because you know i've seen businesses where they've gone 10 20 years and they've not looked and you know products that they once had have now moved online and they're completely different from what they were they kind yeah. of saved the same serve the same purpose for the consumer yeah. but you know in terms of protection they're completely different products yeah and that's that's a key part with all the all of the i mean ip management generally like a key part of it keeping it under review because the business never stays the same but ip rights have a have a nasty habit of staying exactly as they were <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you've got to kind of sort of keep on top of that change those changes in the business so you can change um the ip to make sure that it maps onto it still and yeah with with trademarks i see that being even more important uh than anywhere else yeah yeah i mean say you know in particular that the the nature of a product can change so just to give you an example that a lot of people wouldn't realize that there's there's two separate classes in which to protect software okay there's software that's downloadable which yeah. of course is what we were filing for 10 years ago because you've got yeah, your cd-rom yeah. it was a physical okay. piece of software yeah. whereas now there's a completely separate class for software as a service which is the majority of software now we, you know yeah. we get an account online we just access the software that way yeah that you know under trademark law they're technically two completely different things um yeah, yeah a business will move seamlessly from one to the other yeah and won't yeah. necessarily think about it because to them in many respects that's a background thing and their product is exactly the same doing the same thing for consumer yeah but technically the the class of protection we need is different yeah and that's something and uh, it's a really good point and it's something i hadn't considered but it's sort of those regular reviews will pick that up but you couldn't ever rely on a a client coming to you with that as an issue because they just wouldn't know it was an issue at all would they yeah, it would, exactly it would just you, you just wouldn't think that's an issue we're, we're selling the same product no. we've just yeah yeah the way of delivering it to the client slightly yeah. different um yeah. but to them it's the same product and, you know don't want any anyone who's doing software i don't want them to panic because the, the one gives them a certain amount of protection over the other yeah um but you know as time goes on, you know, especially if you're wanting to license the brand or anything like that, you want to make sure protection's in the right class because people don't want to pay for license for something they think they might not strictly need. Yeah. And the same applies for if you're sort of looking to exit the business, you want to make sure that all of those things from a due diligence perspective are tied off and covered. But everything that you're doing that is of value to the business is covered properly by the trademarks that, you, that you've got. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. The absolute key with due diligence, is it goes back to what I said at the start, that the most important purpose of a trademark is to make sure you can carry on doing what you're doing. Yeah. So if people are looking to buy a business, mostly what they want to know from a trademark perspective is, is it protected yeah. for the product that you're selling in the countries that you're selling it? And, and a lot of due diligence is that simple. It's, yeah. it's, can we tick those boxes? If we can, yep, you pass the trademark test. Obviously, there are many other elements of due diligence uh, around other parts of the business but most trademark due diligence is that simple can we take Mm. in the right countries for the right product yeah yeah great um so what about um as the as the products start to develop i don't think i think this is the only bit of, of that kind of life cycle that we've perhaps not not yet got to which is sort of um different marketing strategies might 
come up with trademarks that are not necessarily brand names, but strap lines and slogans and things like that. And also when the products start to be developed, does anything change about the way that people should view and approach their their trademark filing strategy and what they're doing? Yeah. I mean, I mean this is an, another good reason for the regular reviews because yeah. a lot of a lot of products will give rise to sub products and, and different mm-hmm. application, you know, different markets for the same product. Yeah. And and it's really useful for us to see the overall branding strategy because there might be what we call yeah. a house brand. Um, yeah. You know, perfect example is something like Microsoft and Windows. You've got Windows okay. 8.0, 9.0, you know. Yeah. That's fine because we can protect Windows and we don't need yeah. to file a trademark every time you've got a new version. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's quite common in, in, in a lot of brands. They, you know, they'll put a suffix on it to um, indicate it's a different level of product, so Pro or you know, okay, yeah, Pro yeah. or something like that for different versions of the same. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that's done is because you don't have to keep rebranding it. You've okay, yeah. Client, the the customers recognizing the brand, they can yeah. e- readily recognize. Okay, there's three different products here at three different levels. Um, you know, that informs perfectly well. Um, and when you've got that kind of branding strategy, we, we can look at the most cost-effective way of doing it because we're not having to register every brand. We might register elements of a brand, yeah, uh, and you know reduce your you know so you protect one trademark for what is effect three trademarks that you're actually going to put out there. Okay, yeah. But the additional element is is a descriptor or just an indicator of level of product. Yeah. Um, so th- there's a lot of strategies like that, which, and and these are the ones that typically morph over time as well um so again if if you speak to us early we we can look at ways of doing it where you don't have to necessarily spend lots of money on um different trademarks or if actually there's a lot of value in selling these at complete you know just to give you another example you know supermarkets uh or you know in particular food uh a lot of these business consumer products often the manufacturer will make three versions of a product They'll be right. the cheap and cheerful, the mid-range, the high range. Yeah. I don't want them sharing the same brand because obviously you don't want your luxury brand to look like your cheap okay. brand. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah. So it yeah. might be, you know, there, there'll probably be differences in the product, but they're all coming from the same manufacturer. Yeah. So often there's reasons why actually you really want to separate out these brands for okay. essentially this the same ish product. I'm I'm not accused. Uh, businesses <laughs> no, no, are selling no, no, exactly no. the same under these three different <laughs> levels but you know a lot of similarity yeah. and coming from the same source yeah. um, so you know it's looking at strategies like that you know what's actually best for your market uh, and then we yeah. can a- apply the trademark strategies to that yeah I, I guess it's the same thing as as with the so- a software brand that you're talking about I mean you might have the sort of like the the intro the, the pro and then the enterprise version of software as a service. And there you want to trade off that known brand, branded element of that sort of overall brand. But when it becomes something where you're trying to actually differentiate yourself from a lower spec item, you, yeah. you don't want them to trade in that because it's, it's, it's completely different, but I guess. Yeah. It's well, all about protecting and using the value of your brand. Yes. So you can use the value of your brand to engage consumers consumers at a lower level yep. you know the software example with the introductory version which is great because they're getting this you know really well-known effective piece of software at a lower level and obviously yep. that's encouraging them to then take the higher levels but with the you know the the 
uh, supermarket owned label, let's call it. Um, if you start using the luxury brand on the cheaper products, you're lowering the value of that luxury lowering brand. The, value, yeah, and it, the yeah. consumers are thinking, why pay for the luxury when this one looks so similar? I mean, that's why supermarket do, you know, why Audi are so renowned for making yeah. their products look like Marks and Spencers, for example. I've seen lots yeah. of spats in the news. It's yes. because, you know, they, they want to get as close to the kudos of those valuable brands as they can. Yeah, and I guess the, the key maybe the, the sort of the, the underlying point is that as a business matures and it's got more sophisticated sort of branding strategy, it's really important that, that the trademark advisors are aligned with that, that branding strategy and that everybody's talking around that because, yeah, yeah. I mean, what might make sense from a trademark perspective wouldn't necessarily make sense from a branding perspective and the other way around, perhaps true too, but if everyone's talking, then you find the best way through. Yeah, and and I would always say it's the branding strategy that's more important than the trademark strategy. Definitely, yeah. because the trademarks are there to support the business. Yeah, um, you, you know, I think you mentioned it earlier. You don't want the the tail wagging the dog. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, get the branding strategy right, and we'll t- you know we'll advise you the best way to protect around that. And if there are problems in terms of being able to register and lack of distinctive character. That's not always necessarily a bad thing. It's just about education and understanding what risks yeah. that brings about with it and what difficulties that might give rise to. doesn't mean you yeah. shouldn't use it because, you know, if it's a great branding strategy and is going to sell your products, then, you know, that's what we're all trying to do. <laughs> it's, exactly, it's yeah. Sell our products <laughs> and services. And um, so, you know, always lead with the brand strategy. But yeah understand what your options are in terms of protection and uh you know any risks that come with that okay uh, i'm conscious that we're sort of approaching the, the the time um just before we finish is there anything sort of that you see fairly commonly that would be like sort of common pitfalls that you know early stage businesses or businesses of the type that we've been talking about over the, the course of this episode might fall into and things that they should avoid yeah. So, I mean, the single biggest problem and often the most expensive and difficult problem to deal with is that simple not getting the advice early on. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it is very simple to do a search, find something that you can register and protect and that's free to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you should do that as early as possible before yeah. it's, you know, before it's public in any way in, yeah. in an ideal world. Um, because often we'll see it, you know, people start their businesses. Uh, you know organize themselves start trading you know and it might be one or two years down the line and then they want to yeah. protect it and, and and there's problems around that so yeah. that's the single biggest issue and then the other is is you know often they might have sales people who you know doing a great job going off selling as much as they can and, and they're entering countries left right and center you know wherever <laughs> anyone will buy it um you know which is great but yeah. they, you know often they might find that you know, there's a significant problem in that country. Yeah. Uh, and one of the other ones, actually, which we, we, we've not mentioned during the course of this, um, and it depends on the nature of the product, but we look at the country of manufacture as well. So there, there's a slightly unusual part in trademark law in that if you export a product from a country bearing the trademark, that is deemed use in that country. Okay. Now this is this has become a particular issue over the last 10, 15 years when so many people are sourcing overseas in you know China in particular. Yeah. 
So if you're making, um, say, bars of soap, uh, and it's all been manufactured in China, you might not be selling anything in China. That's quite yeah. common. But they're all branded um, Matter IP soap. They're exported from China to the yeah. EU, which is the market. That's yeah. deemed use of that trademark in China. Wow. But actually, if someone else gets a registration in China, they can register it in customs and stop your products leaving China. And then your wow. whole supply chain can break down. Now, I will say this, that it, it is rare. Yeah. Um, because it's not entering the market in China, people just don't know about it and they don't do anything about it. But because it, if you have your whole supply chain in one country, yeah. then there's a lot of value to just making sure that you can operate by getting that trademark, you can export. Um, and then you're protected. And that's something that will often come up in due diligence further down the line. Yeah. Uh, so we do see that where, where people are, um, you know, and I, we've seen it with some big brands that have had problems with that over the years, uh, yeah. you know, and even had to move the country in which they're manufacturing because of it. Wow. Well, I certainly didn't know that. Um, so if people are manufacturing over in overseas and, and you know china's the obvious example that's the one that everybody gives but if people are manufacturing those countries then trade even just for manufacturing there they should still be considering yes trademark yeah. protection yeah yeah well. and it, it depends on the nature of the packaging and the product because if it's raw materials yeah shipped to the uk and they're packaged and branded here then it's not a problem at all no problem yeah yeah um, okay. all right that's great um well thanks very much for coming on the show yeah no it's been a pleasure thanks for inviting me and no, no, it's good, good to have you on. Um, and if people want to, if they're listening to this and they want to reach out um, and sort of ask you for more advice and things like that, then where, where's the best place for them to get hold of you? Um, so they can see our website, which is www.sonderandclay.com. Mm -hmm. uh, put that into Google, we'll come up and, uh, you know, feel free to just give us a call and have a chat. Yeah, and on LinkedIn too, I guess you'll yep. be on there, and, and I'll put that in the in the sort of the show notes as well, so so people will have plenty of opportunity to reach out to you. Yeah, that's all right. Great. Thank you very okay. much. Thanks very much, and to the listeners, thanks a lot for listening uh, once again, and we'll catch you on the next episode.